When you look into Discover Student Loans, what you see might surprise you. We can help cover your college costs, don't charge you fees, and give you cash rewards for good grades. Ready to apply? Visit discoverstudentloans.com. Limitations apply. Three, two, one. Never has there been a better time to be alive in human history. If you're not feeling it, you must discover why. Join Matthew Bolton in developing and applying a framework of objective optimism toward a flourishing life of meaning, health, and happiness. Here's your host, Matthew Bolton. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Mr. Brightside. I'm Matthew Bolton. Today's show is called Crave the Body You Want, and I want to present an idea today that was first put forth in an article I wrote well over a year ago, but I want to do it with a lot of added insight that I've acquired since then. So right away, you can see in the title that there are two concepts there, crave and want, and we often use them interchangeably. We crave something. I want that. I crave that cake. I want that cake. But I want to define them uh, very distinctly here so that we can uh, understand the idea that I'm talking about. Craving here, as I'll use it, is more akin to a feeling, a whim, a momentary desire, something kind of more instinctual. And just It's a craving. It's a, it's a momentary thing. Let's keep it there. While wanting refers to more of a long-range outcome after conscious deliberation. So it's a long-range thing. So uh, in terms of physical health, what do we want? We want a strong body. We want energy. We want health. We want longevity, etc. This is what we want. We want to look a certain way. In our career, we want certain things. We want particular relationships. So this is the kind of life or self-image or th- uh, life, like essentially, that we want to create. This is what we want. Now, what we crave often conflicts with what we want, is what, we, what we'll notice in, in life, and many of us experience, and I do Uh, quite often. And this is no way to live. And what we want to do is to make what we crave and what we want one and the same. We want them to be in line with each other. And I don't know if you're going to say, well, that's impossible. You can't just have what's actually good for you to to be what you actually crave. Um, But I want to tell you here with some hope that this is what I've kind of been able to achieve in my life more or less. Now, I will say that the that that state is tenuous, that it's something that you have to continuously work on. But I want to offer today how I've been able to achieve that state and how I plan to work to maintain it. Um, we'll look in the way of, of diet, of course, today and, and nutrition and health. So eating the right way, as we know, is very difficult. Uh, it's first very difficult to know what is the right way to eat. There's so much conflicting information and that's part of what we do on the show. I'm trying to constantly in my life, understand what is, what is good nutrition? What is good for me? What is the right way to eat uh, or not the right way, but the right way for me. And and, and of course, inducing general principles that apply to everybody and then help others uh, figure out what's the right way to eat for them. Um, and I do that through thinking about it, experimenting, and then sharing what I've learned. And of course, interviewing uh, experts on, on various subjects related to it. In any case, it is difficult to know. But even once we do know what is the right way, or at least that we really are believe that this is what we should be doing, whatever that is, it's very hard to do that thing. It's very hard to keep up with it. Um, we crave things that we know we'd be better off without. We crave to do things that we know these behaviors are not going to help us. These cravings run deep. So they're, 
They're established through a long history of positive associations in our brain that have us wired to believe that something that, that this is something good for us, that we need to satisfy it. So when we, you know, satisfy these cravings in our, throughout our history, we're doing it in our brains as, yeah, that's right. That's good. That makes you feel good. And we say, that's okay. I see. And you're, and you get, you start to believe that this is what I need to do to feel good. N- not consciously, but just your brain is making those connections. So however, on the conscious level, up front, I guess we could say that we know that a satisfied body, satisfied cravings and a healthy body are not the same things. And, and we feel like, what is this? It's, it's a trick. Like our mind is tricking us. What's going on here? So how does this play out in reality? Well, we can often deny a craving and then feel good about it later. So we put the craving away. We know it's not good for us on some level. So we put it away. And then later on, we go, I'm really glad I did that. I'm a good person because I was able to deny myself in that moment. But it's not a really sustainable game plan. Constant craving and denial, this cycle of like that, you can't keep that up. Willpower is very limited. And even if we're able to somehow develop our willpower and grow it to some new superhuman level, it's still true that systemic denial is not compatible with any kind of uh, integrated, enjoyable, happy, or what I call here a flourishing life. What we really like to do is not to crave the thing at all. Alex Epstein has this great concept that he calls relaxed productivity. And it kind of captures the idea that, well, we want to be productive. We have to be, we have to produce the values that our life depends on. It's a, it's a, it's an objective virtue, but we want to do it in a relaxed way, not in a stressed way, a way that we hate what we're doing most of the time that we, you know, we hate what we have to do to sustain our life. No, we want to do it in an enjoyable way. Uh, and that's the goal of anybody's life. And I think that in, uh, in eating, we could, we might call, I, I want to achieve what we might call then relaxed eating. We want, we don't want to be stressed out or have this, what I call there the systemic denial or con- a cycle of constant craving and denial. This is no good. And it was, again, uh, a show from Alex Epstein, uh, his Human Flourishing Project, that helped me uh, develop the idea that made me first write this article. And it was, uh, it was episode 20 called How No News Leads to Good News. And the idea that he was presenting in that there was essentially that if you change the way you view an unwanted behavior or an, an object, then the implications of your new understanding of this thing will make it unappealing over time. And then the habit or the pursuit of that thing will naturally flow away almost as if it's on, on its own. And in this uh, episode, he uses the example of news. So by defining news as information about developments in other people's lives shared according to other people's agendas, then by understanding the implications of that definition and what that means, you come to view news sites, social media updates, email, etc., all kinds of news shared from other people, not as something you need or even want in your life, but something which is necessarily anti your agenda. And then as you become more convinced of it, you actually get turned off of these things and don't crave them the way that we kind of feel like we need to know, or you kind of can lose FOMO, uh, fear of missing out. And I found what he was talking about very effective in reading myself of unwanted distractions. And actually, I think next week I'm going to talk about that because I've had to really refresh my conviction in this. And I'm, I've experiencing something uh, very exciting that I probably, I want to see how it plays out this week and I'll probably share it with you next week. Um, but it, it, this has made me more productive in furthering my own agenda, which, uh, which by which I mean my own life and all the things I talk about on the show, my own 
health and relationships and happiness and productivity, etc. But what Alex discusses on that, that strategy that he talks about, it depends on two things. One of them is that you are convinced of this new conception of news. So how he defines news, you must be convinced that that's true. But two, you have to be convinced of the importance of your own agenda. And this second is what I brought to the article and what I'm bringing to the show today. I want to emphasize that because I believe that the conviction of the importance of your own agenda is necessary in giving that first one, the the conviction that your new conception of that unwanted thing, the power to turn the cravings into unattractive and unappealing options. So I want to go through that, start through that now. And this formulation of his is very consistent with my understanding of emotions as informed by Leonard Peikoff. So I'll give him the credit there, uh, what I'm about to explain about emotions. So we experience emotions as automatic, but really there's a lightning quick process involved. So we experience emotions as perception and response. We see that guy and we just feel something that we, you know, something what we, you know, we, I don't like him or I like him, or we see a cake or something. We just feel great or we feel, or we, we hear a news story and we just automatically feel angry or we feel, oh, that sounds great. So it's, it feels like it's automatic, but really there's something else going on. Uh, There are two steps in the process of which we are unaware. And so it goes basically perception, identification, evaluation, and response. So we experience perception and response, but really it's perception, identification, evaluation, and response. So what this means is that we perceive something and lightning in a lightning quick process, our brain identifies what is that thing. And then it evaluates that thing according to our past value judgments, our past ideas about that thing. And then our emotions tell us the response. It just tells us what we feel about that according to our ideas. This explains why two people can perceive the same person or news story or object and yet experience completely different emotions. It is the ideas they hold regarding the perceived object in question that determines their emotional reaction. So their ideas are different and so are then their emotional reactions. Now, understanding this, if we um, now assuming that we identify the thing correctly, if we can change our evaluation of the thing through conscious deliberation and conviction, the emotional response uh, response will eventually follow. So when we're fully and genuinely convinced, we will then find that we experience the emotion as if automatic. And this has been demonstrated to me through countless experiences in my life. So, you know, there might be a, a guy that I don't like. I have, there's certain things I, I don't know why, but I certainly, I believe about him. And then I just don't like this guy. And then maybe I discover that it's a lot of the things I believed were not true. I discovered maybe he was falsely accused of something I thought that he, that he, he had done. And then I really discover he's got a lot of admirable qualities. Well, when I see the person, I still kind of feel it's hard for me to, to feel differently about him right away, but it isn't too long. I mean, especially if it's a really clear thing like that, but it takes a long time for the emotions to catch up to the new ideas, but eventually I'll start to regard the person automatically as I see them as someone that I like. I just like the person as soon as I see them. So this happens with a lot of things. Um, it's happened to a lot of ideas that I've, that I've held, music that I've liked, movies that I've liked. I've, I've kind of not like them all of a sudden I've actually gone from loving to hating certain movies or hating, not so much hating, but not liking to really loving things more as I understood more about them. 
Um, this is with music. This is people. All kinds of things in life have demonstrated to me that this is true. So if we can change our ideas about something, we can change our emotions about them. We change our evaluations. Um, but it takes a while for the emotions to catch up with the ideas. And by the way, this is a really good lesson as to why one must follow reason in one's life and not one's feelings. Uh, feelings don't give you any information about what is true or false or about what is right or wrong. They only tell you what you already believe about something. So you really better, better check what you believe, check your ideas. And uh, this is also why in my comparative table I've referred to uh, some several times on the show in the past, uh, I have a table comparing what I call objective optimism and subjective quote unquote optimism and pessimism uh, under epistemology, which is our method of thinking. I have reason. Reason is the method that is the MO of an objective optimism is the objectively optimistic method reason uh, whilst following your emotions or feelings is uh, a subjective method and it doesn't lead to optimal results. It doesn't lead to truth and therefore real results in reality and therefore your ultimate achievement of your goals, your health, your relationships, your career, the things that your life depends on, and then ultimately your happiness. Now then, let's consider this whole idea in regard to our main concern here, which is our cravings for unwanted foods. So when I first heard about Alex's idea about changing my concept of what news is, I realized right away that it was true because it it was already what had been happening to me in regard to eating, exercise, sleep, and many other choices related to health. So I'll, I'll highlight sleep here as a good example. Um, so what would have happened to me before and I think this is the experience of a lot of people is that I would just kind of try to stay up and, you know, maybe watch another show and you kind of let your body tell you to go to sleep because eventually you feel so tired and I'm going to go to sleep. And you kind of, you try to hang on to something like hang on to the party, like <laughs> keep it going um, later into the night because, you know, if I go to sleep now, that's the end of my day. Like I've already been working so hard. I've only had a couple hours of free time and then I've got to get up and go to work again. Why would I go to sleep and waste it? Let's keep it going. But what I, I obviously realized that I always feel tired and worse the next day and I hate my experience of my work day and even don't enjoy my experience of some of my free time. I feel kind of tired, too tired to, to do things that I want to do. And what I noticed after I was put myself to bed deliberately that I felt really good on those next days. I enjoyed even my work a lot more. And I enjoyed my whole experience of the day a lot more. And what I did is I really registered that and registered that this sucks when I do this thing. And this is really great when I do this thing. And with that, I started to put myself to bed more deliberately. I said, I know this is what I want. And I would go ahead and do it. And then it became a habit. So I do know that it's very powerful if you can really see sleep as something bad. For example, uh, sorry, sleep as something bad, um, staying up and not sleeping well as something bad and sleep as something that's very important to a, a good life. And by the way, there are also a lot more uh, health, like physical health benefits. It's not just your mental experience, but I physically feel better. I have more energy. And as I may mention a little bit, um, I'm going to mention hormones in a little bit that um, sleep and stress are very much related to obesity. And they are very, so a lot of what people are doing with exercising all the time is a pretty good part of it, but nutrition, sleep, and stress have a lot more to do with obesity than simply uh, exercise. But I'm not going to go too deep into that right now. I'm going to try to keep it on track here, delimit to what we're talking about specifically, uh, which is this idea of having our cravings become 
in line with what we actually want in our life. And in recent months prior to writing that article, I had started to experience this kind of more peaceful state of living, this uh, sustainable kind of thing. So remember, um, craving and denial all the time was not sustainable, but I started experience a sustainable, more integrated life in terms of health choices like my sleep and my eating, etc. And it was almost as if those unwanted things, the, the things that I really don't want, but yet craved, they almost started to become unappealing to me. And I had uh, used to define, I remarked to my friend once uh, a while ago about describing how I used to think about my diet was that I was trying to get myself to a certain state where I'd be able to indulge in some kind of like binge or some kind of party. I would call them all all the time. And this is the common idea that people know of working their way to earning a cheat day. So I would basically want to deny myself through the week and kind of make really tough choices so that I could get myself into a place where I felt tight, light, strong, and good. And then it's like, I have done it. I'm in a great state right now, so I can binge today. And for me, that would probably be something like uh, pizza and maybe some other kind of food, chicken to go with it. Trying to like see how much, basically see how much my stomach could hold out to, to, you know, to be my entertainment source for the evening. So I'd get uh, some kind of show on that I like, eat my pizza, have something else. And then of course there's always room for ice cream. So that would always be the capper. Some ice cream often crushed in with some kind of cookies, maybe some M&Ms in there or something, really make it a, a treat out of it. Cause this is, you know, a kind of a cheat day as it were. And, you know, that's like, that's not really what I want to be doing. I don't want to be trying to not enjoy myself for a certain period so that I can enjoy myself in in one moment. What I want to do is just enjoy the process of my life. Enjoy the good choices, make what's good for me be the thing that I actually want. And that I actually crave. I'll add to this description. Now imagine that kind of during the week while I'm trying to set myself up for a good weekend or something, um, I might be out at a coffee shop with my wife and we're looking at the desserts in the glass. We're going for a coffee, but yet I see all the desserts. and I'm like, Oh man, look at those on those look great. Oh my, I want that. That looks so nice. But I kind of have to think about, well, we're having people over on Friday and I want to make sure I'm able to kind of drink and eat whatever I want there. So I kind of, you know, it's this big accounting job. I have to account for my craving and how much is that worth to me and how much is this weekend party worth to me? And well, I guess if I take that away, I can afford this. And it's just this horrible thing. And this is, again, not compatible with a happy, flourishing life. So what, what are we doing here? Like in I wonder how can this be? How is this? Why is this the truth? Right. Um, you know, this is the cry across, across the ages as it were. Well, not so much across the ages. It's more in, um, in recent times in modern affluent societies. I say on the show that never has there been a better time to be alive in human history. And this is what I mean. Let's be serious guys. People back in the day weren't trying to fight about, you know, how do I avoid these beautiful cakes? It was, how can I get something to eat? We, they didn't have problems of obesity and uh, trying to fight cravings of delicious cakes in your face every moment of every day. Um, but that's another, another issue, but come on guys, let's be, let's be uh, happy about the, the time we live in. But yet there are these problems that we're trying to deal with and let's keep dealing with it. So as I say, we're, we're worried about these things and it's like, people are saying, why can't things that 
A good for me taste. Is your savings just sitting there? Well, put it to work. A premium online savings account from PenFed earns way more than the national average. So you can get your savings working on earning you a vacation or a new kitchen or that fancy exercise mirror. Apply at PenFed.org slash savings. Premium online savings account holders must agree to electronic delivery of account opening disclosures and monthly statements. $5 minimum required to open an account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Like this cake. And why can't things that are bad for me taste like Brussels sprouts or whatever people hate? Uh, I write in the article, is a malevolent universe set against us all in an elaborate cosmic prank? And... I am happy to say that certainly at that time and still today, although, as I said, the relationship is tenuous, that this is no longer how I think. And I think I've grasped how and why. And let me talk to you about it now. So what I've discovered in the power behind my success in being able to transform unwanted things into unappealing things, things that I don't crave, it's the power of the positive value of the thing that I really want That thing is defined clearly and then felt as a constant in my existence. So when I really understood and became convinced that my life is so much more enjoyable when my body is lighter, tighter, harder, rested, relaxed, and still had lots of energy, etc., I was drawn irresistibly almost to the foods and behaviors that I was convinced promote that state while I was turned off almost intuitively to things which threatened it. Uh, There's a book called Flow, and I forget the author, excuse me, but I've just, and I haven't read it. I've just heard someone talk about it. And what I understand is that he, the author interviewed some people about when they feel happiness and to recall what they were doing at that time. And it seems that people believe that when we're relaxing or on the beach, chilling out or all that stuff, that that's when we're happiest. But most people reported that they were happiest when they were engaged in some kind of productive activity, some kind of work they enjoyed which he called a state of flow. And many of us can understand that right, right off the bat, hearing that, what that, what that state is. Um, and this is what we, we want to hang on to, that if we understand that state and recognize it, like there it is right there. People believe that what we want is relaxation and our chill time. That's the whole thing we're, we're, we're working for. But in fact, we are happiest when we're acting towards gaining our values and stuff. So if we really understand that, we will start to feel and crave and become addicted to seeking that state and seeking doing those things and enacting those behaviors. Um, I'll give you one major example of this kind of thing. Um, I began to see sugar uh, as I started to think about it and learn about it more as I just started looking at it as something that kind of softened my body a bit, puffed my face up, puffed my sides up. It kind of drained my energy. It stole from my muscles, whether that's exactly true or not. It's how I kind of saw it and viewed it and believed it. I was convinced of this idea and it, I I generally made it, it, I generally felt unwell if I had a lot too much sugar. So that now makes me look at things way differently. I just don't crave them. Now, it's hard to explain exactly because it's still true that I like them. And I was just the other day trying to explain this to my wife. Like when we go to the uh, a coffee shop, for example, and I see these cookies, these new cookies they put out, uh, I still like go, come on, you got to look at these, take a look at these cookies. I just want to appreciate them and look at them and go, man, they look great. But it's not the same as what it used to be where I used to like want to eat it and go, I want it, I'm craving it, but I can't. Because it's just no good for me. No, I just don't really feel like I want it. Yet I do appreciate how good it is. And then some days we do go and, of course, enjoy them and have them. And I really love them. So it's not that I don't like 
sugar or don't like ice cream and stuff, but I really have put them in their proper place. It's more that I'm like addicted to my healthy body. So I'm kind of unmoved by the other thing. I can just know that this is, I just love this more than I love that, but I really like that. <laughs> so it's, it's again, it's not together. They're all altogether repugnant to me. It's like another situation. As I mentioned, I might have them. It's only that when I do have them, they are adding to my life and not detracting from it. Now it was on my, an outdoor run of mine well over a year ago that had, I started to really realize this thing and it inspired me to, to write this article. I was like, I gotta, I have to, I have to write about this. Um, I, cause it came to me in a moment. Um, Although it had been creeping up over months, I really fully got it in this moment. Um, on the last turn towards my home, off the big road, the final turn off the big road to go to my house is a McDonald's. And I was approaching that McDonald's and it occurred to me, I was it was about lunchtime and I, ha- I don't eat breakfast. Uh, that was something else I came to a long time ago and I just doesn't, it's just something I don't do and I do not crave it at all. Um, and I was there. So I was very, I had been finishing at the end of it, like a good tight week. And then I was on this run of all things, like an exercise to cap it off. And I was just like feeling tight, feeling light, feeling great. I could have Mickey D's no problem. Like this, I've got, I've earned so much extra credit that I could have any kind of cheat day I want. I could eat anything or I could maybe hold it off. And then tonight have like the most debauched, depraved, you know, disgraceful party I could think of. I could have anything at all. And what I realized in that moment is that I did not want any of that stuff. I was, I was turned off by the idea of that stuff. I was just, what I was craving in that moment was not those things. I was craving this state. I was craving this body. I was, I thought, I don't want to eat anything for lunch. Like, I just don't want to lose this. I just love this so much. I'm putting something in my mouth right now. Wouldn't make me feel awesome. It would make me feel horrible. I don't mean I know it would make me feel horrible. Therefore, I don't want to do it even though I want it. I just didn't want to do it. It didn't feel, I didn't feel it. And I actually thought if I did have something tonight, I could really enjoy some kind of sashimi, some, you know, raw fish, that kind of thing, or some kind of other healthy thing. I only wanted to put something good in my body. I was just feeling this addiction to this is what I want. This is what I'm craving in this moment is this state, nothing else. And it was also then in that moment or shortly after upon reflection that I realized that it had been, I'd been feeling like that for quite a while, some months leading up to that. I didn't really have any strong cravings leading up to mealtime, certainly not like the kind I used to have. And it was more that, as I said, I was either craving not eating at all or eating something really clean and fresh because I wanted to prolong this what I call the bright, proud, shining feeling of mastery, energy, strength, and general wellness, general health, as I might call it. And it was very addictive. And I'm talking a lot here about, you know, this feelings and these natural feelings and addiction and how I feel. And I, before I go on and tell you about how I believe that being convinced of these ideas and the positive value and being convinced of the things that are bad for you being really bad. And then your emotions following to, to give you, to, to kind of read out to you that this is, this is true when you uh, approach them in a moment so that you don't crave these things, etc. Before I go into that, I want to add a big point here that has only come to me within, since I wrote the article. Um, and it's something very important. And I realized that this has a big part to play in why I was feeling this at, at the time. And it's about hormones. And I understand now the power of hormones 
to affect our behavior and affect affect how we feel. In fact, it's all about hormones. And obesity as a disease is actually, in fact, a hormonal imbalance. It's all about when you crave certain things, it's all about how you are feeling. So I think that the psychological aspect or component that I'm bringing up today with the with being with conviction playing a role in leading you to develop habits. That's very important. But ultimately what we're going to do with that is it will lead you by taking on these habits. Your body will start to change hormonally. Um, I learned a lot about this in the obesity code by Jason Fung. Now that is not the book you have to read. There are a lot of experts that talk about this. Uh, for me though, it was just the most comprehensive presentation of it. And it taught me a lot about it. And in the past year and a half and all that. I have changed a lot of my behaviors, experimented a lot with different kinds of eating and stuff. And I have really got to a point where the way I eat is just so comfortable and sustainable, as I say. And I really don't feel any stress in regard to eating that I used to. And I was trying to say in the article here that it's all about this psychology. But I realize now that I work myself toward a state of reformatting I guess you might say my hormones, resetting them so that they now work in my favor. Um, I'm not going to go into all that today. I'm not an expert on it, although I do really think I have quite a handle on it, certainly personally, as far as it works for me and the things that I have to do to help influence my hormone, hormonal makeup. Um, But really, and that's why I said earlier, sleep and stress, they have a lot to do with hormones. And of course, nutrition does. Uh, and when, including when you eat, almost more important than the what. Well, that's the what is very important as well, but the what and the when is very important. Um, I don't want to go into that again. You can look into that yourself. Um, I've had a couple interviews. Tom King, uh, I discussed that with him on a show. Jim Getz was another expert I had on the show uh, several weeks ago, and he uh, talked about that in in some part of the interview. So there, uh, Elizabeth Benton a long time ago talked a lot about hormones. She does a lot of good work on that. That's a, gr- a really great interview. It was my one of my first interviews. Um, go and see those. And I hope to have more people to talk about it, to, on to talk about it in the future. Um, but for now, think about it, hormones. Um, I, I, on this point too, uh, as far as the whole thing, I want to mention uh, a Facebook friend of mine, not a personal friend, but a Facebook friend. Lisa Van Dam is someone that I, I really like a lot of her ideas. And she shared one one day, she had recently been trying intermittent, intermittent fasting and she was only a couple months into it. So she admittedly said, this is early, but she, she said, I'm only starting to think that I've I've never been hungry in my life. I've only had cravings. And that really helped encapsulate all this stuff that I'm talking about here and encapsulated how I feel about stuff. I really don't feel like I'm hungry. I know I'm not hungry. Like even right now, I'm so hungry. I'm not, you're not hungry. You have a craving. And why do you have a craving? Because of your hormones. And how can we affect them? Nutrition, sleep, stress, etc. And what I'm about to talk to you about right now. And what am I going to talk to you about? I've said a lot here about conviction. So I want to take a final moment here to discuss how that conviction was built in me. Um, How did I change my evaluations of what cakes and ice cream were to me, for instance? How did I take my understanding that health and mastery and that great feeling I had feel good and turn that into a craving, craving the body that I want, craving, craving that state, as I said? It wasn't through meditation or a mantra or hypnosis or something that I did it. And I'm not saying that none of that stuff works, 
But it was because I took time to develop clear conceptions of what each food or behavior is to me in the clearly defined context of why a healthy body and life are genuinely more desirable than what I used to associate with fun and satisfaction. And then through experience after experience, I confirmed my conceptions. So I took stock always of how I felt and why I felt it. So for instance, I said before that uh, many of us have experienced that feeling of you will wake up in the morning after having made that hard choice the night before to forego some nighttime snack. So you wanted to have it. You said, I'm not going to because I know it's not good for me. It sucked because it really was a craving for you and you gave it up. You denied yourself. You went to bed and in the morning you felt fresher. Your stomach's a little bit flatter. You know, you felt lighter, more energetic and you feel great. And you had this little, this little glow of self-esteem kind of made your morning coffee a little better and your whole mood and experience of life was a little bit better. It's been very helpful for me to remember that feeling, to take really great stock of it, to, and then think about why does this feel good to register that, to bring it and then bring it to the present. Whenever I'm faced with a craving or something that I know I don't want, then I ask myself, is this really what I want? And I remember how I felt when I overcame this. And then you do have to overcome some cravings, but these questions help you a lot. And then if you can do that, I can override that craving. And then over time, as you do this more and more, you start to really become convinced of that idea that this is so true. I love this state. I don't, definitely don't want that thing. It starts to become automatic. Remember, it takes a long time for your emotions to catch up with your ideas. And of course, as you go here, your hormones also start to catch up with you, as I've learned. And that really helps you as well, too. So it's that I've thought a lot about why I feel as bad as I do when I make unwanted choices. So why have I felt so bad when I, when I did that? And remember that, and register it. And then I add those experiences to my files, as it were. And then I study uh, what certain foods do to the body. I compare what I read from various experts and compare that and put, pit it against my experience and really try to learn and discover what's true. I revise my concepts of what I believed was true. Right. We, I mean, if you're still operating on the food pyramid, you got to recheck that thing. It's not true. Right. Um, and wh whether you believe it's true or not, you still feel like, oh, I should be eating a lot of, you know, a big breakfast with a lot of carbs and all that stuff in the morning. This stuff, that, that's not the science anymore. And if you're still half feeling like that, you're operating on old ideas. Now, again, I don't really want to comment on specific ideas, but I feel like that one's pretty uncontroversial. But but you have to discover what's true for yourself and really learn it and then uh, register it as truth, file it away and believe it and become, and over time you become convinced of it. And over time, your ideas about certain things change. And then, as I say, as your ideas change over time, your emotional responses will follow and you will want the things that are good, you will crave the things that you are good, and you will not crave the things that you don't really want, you know you don't want. And this is what I mean when I sometimes use the expression, think and thrive. I don't mean think as in you have to constantly think all the time in every moment, like, what am I supposed to do right here? Should I do this or this? Well, think. Uh, no, this is... A no, I mean, you have to just go ahead and live. The thinking is what I mean in your, as a process, as a uh, standing order in your mind to reflect on your emotions, discover where they come from. Why do I feel this way? I feel bad now. Why do I 
feel bad, discover it, register it. Why do I feel great right now? What led to this? Discover it. Revise your conceptions. Think about what is true. What does this jibe with my experience? Does this, what this person's been saying, what I've believed about this aspect of anything jibe with what I now know? And if so, shouldn't I change it? I mean, you have to do these things. And then in all aspects of your life, if you do this, you will eventually continuously add truth, true ideas, facts to your life, which will lead you toward objective optimism, objectively optimal living or thriving. So that's why I call think and thrive. So, and as I mentioned one more time that it takes a while for your emotions to catch up with your ideas, but we have to do the thinking and we have to have that strong conviction. And then along with your hormones, your emotions will tell you that good things are good for you and bad things are bad for you at that moment. And it's a really great state to live in and I wish it for everybody. Now, before I go on and say a final word, I would like to ask you to please ask me questions. I'm sure that everything in here is uh, unclear. It's certainly incomplete. I'm trying, I'm speaking about these things mostly extemporaneously. Um, I'm, you know, learn thinking on the go. I'm trying to express what I understand to this point. And it may not be fully sound. It may not be fully complete and questions will help me complete it. They'll help me clarify my own thinking and clarify for other listeners as well. So I very much appreciate you asking me about certain aspects of anything you've heard today uh, that occurs to you. Uh, you can do that uh, any in the comments section, anywhere you consume. You can also go to the Mr. Brightside Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash matthewbolton.ca. I'll very much appreciate questions. And of course, please share this interview. If you found value in it, if you've had any aspect of this has made you think about something differently and you think that it might help somebody else in their life, please share it with that person. Thank you very much for all of that. Now, as a final word, let me say to you that when I'm trying to help students understand that the concept of rational self-interest means doing what's good for you and that this necessarily emphasizes the rational, uh, that is, it requires thinking and that it necessarily excludes the self-destructive whim-worshipping that is doing what you feel like, which is typically associated with selfish people, uh, that is, to be to what's in your self-interest is actually an objective, a matter of objective fact and not doing whatever you feel like. We see that people who do whatever they feel like often lead themselves to self-destruction. And this is what is demonstrated by pursuing your cravings versus pursuing what you really want. When I'm trying to explain this concept to them, I think it's clarifying to say that it's easy to do what you feel. It's hard to do what you want. And this is true in the experience for most people. But for me now, because I put in the time to think and remember what I mean by thinking is that I work hard to unpack and retrace my emotions. Why do I feel bad here? And why do I feel good in this situation? What has caused this, etc.? Because I've done that kind of thinking, there is less conflict between what I feel, that is what I crave and what I want. They are one and the same for the most part. Uh, counter to what I said about the malevolent universe that's set against us, that is things that are bad for us kind of feel good and things that are good for us or feel bad or they're hard. Um, it's kind of different now for me. It's almost as if a benevolent universe was now set in my favor as it's much easier to do what I want. And I hope the same thing for all of you. I'll see you guys next time. Mr. Brightside, your time out to refresh refuel and refocus your mind and energy toward building an optimistic framework for flourishing life is good it's up to you to choose the bright side 